This is the Stop the Bleed podcast, where host Pat and Kelly will foster powerful discussion around the importance of Stop the Bleed. From awareness and training to education and life-changing actions, you'll hear from survivors, first responders, neighbors, doctors, and people you pass on the street every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We took a short break over the winter season, and this is our first episode of 2023, officially season three of the Stop the Bleed podcast. This episode kicks off with what's going to be a busy year, and I'm here with my co-host, Pat, who's going to give us an update on the campaign and what's coming up in 2023. That's right, Kelly, Uh, and hi, everyone. This year is going to be one super busy year for the campaign, and we've got a lot of ground to cover today. We sure do. So, Pat, let's jump right in and talk about the current state of the campaign. Last year, we were going into, gosh, the third year of this pandemic. And this year, there's some talk about the pandemic and flu season that's upon us, but all of that seems a lot more like background noise. So give us kind of the rundown. How are things going? Well, in a couple of words, uh, really action-packed. Let me just uh, cover a little bit about 2022, sort of the highlights. You mentioned that uh, we're now in the third year, but last year was the third year of the pandemic. And Stop the Bleed as a campaign was definitely affected by the pandemic, like most things were. But last year really saw the campaign resume its higher level of activity as life generally returned back to normal. And in addition to lots of people getting trained, There was also quite a bit of legislative activity as more states recognized the importance of implementing stop the bleed requirements for schools and buildings. And I think the high watermark of that was the legislation that California adopted in the fall. So 2022 turned out to be a pretty exciting year. Now, as far as 2023, there's just a tremendous amount of stuff that's going to be happening this year. Before I get into that, I'll I'll just mention that I would say the campaign has also started this year with reminders to us all of the importance of being ready in case tragedy strikes. I'm guessing that most of the listeners are aware of DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills, who suffered a major coronary event on the field while playing uh, football against the Bengals uh, just uh, on the 1st of January. And while that wasn't a bleeding event, it was, a, it was an emergency that without emergency responders who knew what to do, he probably wouldn't be around today. And of course, a day or two later, uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, for those of you who are fans of the Marvel Universe and, and otherwise, freak accident, is out there helping a neighbor snow plowing and winds up getting severely injured. And my understanding is his life was saved by a neighbor who applied a tourniquet to his leg that was bleeding traumatically. I don't know if those stories crossed your radar screen at all, Kelly. They sure did. I was watching the game, the Bills game, uh, when the incident happened. I also, you know, after that game, I did see in the news in a few different uh, local markets that Uh, There's a spike in folks that want to get trained in CPR. That makes sense. It does. And just as you said, it's a reminder that tragedy can strike anywhere. And so I haven't seen any news come in as far as any spike in Stop the Bleed uh, or first aid training coming out of the Jeremy Renner incident. But I hope that it has prompted some people to reach out and see how might I be able to help in a situation like this. 
Well, we saw a dramatic spike in activity after both of those things. And of course, they happened almost seemingly simultaneously. And I think it's great to see people that are interested in the variety of tragic things that can happen. So people who are interested in stop the bleed training, that's fantastic. People who are interested in CPR training, also fantastic. People that are interested in both, that, that's really the best because we unfortunately had evidence that these things can happen at any time as the year kicked off. So that, that was from a campaign standpoint, uh, we obviously don't like uh, tragedies to uh, drive interest, but the fact is that when something bad happens and it's evident to people, whether it's at a football game or in the case of Jeremy Brenner, a celebrity, it does in fact get people to think about what they would do. And for a lot of those people, they're going to take action, learn, learn what to do, uh, a silver lining, so to speak. I agree. It's a silver lining. The more global citizens we can have, you know, people that are really understanding the world around us and the current state of affairs and how they can help and what their place in this world is, the better. And unfortunately, we're recording this episode just after the weekend of the Monterey Park shooting in California and the Baton Rouge shooting uh, at, at the nightclub down there. Uh, we shouldn't need more reminders of why it's important that something bad can happen and it's really helpful for people to be ready. But leaving current news aside and looking ahead to what's going to be happening this year with the campaign, uh, as I mentioned, a, a couple of really exciting things. Uh, some of these are uh, a little inside baseball and some of them are, are, are not. Um, uh, I think one of the biggest things is that the Department of Defense who leads the campaign, uh, leads the public part, uh, private partnership that uh, sponsors the campaign is revamping their uh, licensing program. And uh, for listeners who may not be familiar with it, this, the, the Department of Defense uh, issues licenses to organizations so that those organizations have permission to teach Stop the Bleed courses or they have permission to sell Stop the Bleed branded kits. and the licensing program has been successful. There's uh, hundreds of organizations that are licensed to teach, but I think the DOD in thinking about how to scale the campaign, because ultimately the aspiration is to train uh, hundreds of millions of people in how to do this, uh, they need more organizations that are licensed to teach. Uh, it's just, it's, it's sort of a, uh, a basic math uh, problem, if you will. And so uh, they're going to be announcing this new program uh, very soon. And it's going to uh, really open up the playing field to a vast number of organizations who might be interested in getting a license so that they can uh, teach. Uh, teach uh, their employees, teach their school members, teach the public uh, at large. And we've gotten a pretty good first row seat at how the uh, program is going to be changed. And I have to tell you, it's it's really exciting to see what it's uh, turning into. I think that the people are really going to like it. That's awesome. Sounds like a really very positive development. I know that we're expecting to have someone from the Department of Defense later on the podcast uh, this year. So it sounds like we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think so. There'll be a lot to unpack with that one. It's also great to see that there are more states uh, interested in moving legislation uh, along that will either encourage or in some cases require certain people to get stopped, trained. 
we're starting to work with uh, more and more of those states to help them understand what they need to think about with the legislation that they may be considering. That's also really exciting. I know we've had a few podcasts where we either share uh, an update or have a podcast guest join us about a legislative update. And so I think also this year we'll have someone else uh, join us later in the year from a legislation update. Am I correct, Pat? Yeah. And I think, you know, last year we had uh, Dr. Amy Lippert on who talked about her efforts with the California legislation, which I mentioned earlier, was one of the highlights of last year that passed. The legislature is now working on follow-on legislation to build on that, we'll call it the first uh, stop to bleed legislation in their state, to refine it, expand it in some ways. And I think among, I think we'll have some new guests. Uh, hopefully we'll get uh, Dr. Lippert back to give us an update because there is more happening in, in California. And also there's an effort underway to empower more citizens to uh, be active from a legislative standpoint. So if your state doesn't have anything going with Stop the Bleed and you think that they should, uh, some tools that uh, will, are being developed to help you uh, move the ball. Well, let's shift gears and talk now a little bit more about the Stop the Bleed Coalition. Uh, last year at this time, the coalition was launching its website. And so can you talk a little bit about the kind of the response to that and if there's anything new planned for this year? The response to the website itself was great. We think it's a pretty nice website and it has a lot to offer to people and organizations that are interested in Stop the Bleed in some form or another, uh, possibly training to get equipped uh, or how to understand to build upon or start a, a Stop the Bleed program. So the website traffic is up. Uh, there's been thousands of new organizations and people that have become members of the coalition and have been using the tools that the coalition provides. So I would say that uh, the, the, the kickoff of the website, which was in uh, February of uh, 2022, was just the start of a, a really strong year for the coalition. And what the coalition is planning to do moving forward, of course, is, is, is building on that. Uh, one of the things that uh, they're focused on is building a bigger library of Stop the Bleed information. They're working with a couple of organizations that uh, I think is going to result in the coalition's website being the go-to place for Stop the Bleed information sort of across all the interrelated topics. The start of that actually was something that the coalition at this time last year didn't have on its radar screen, and nobody did. Uh, but when Ukraine got invaded by Russia uh, on February 24th of 2022, that actually led to the coalition working with some great partners to create a, a subsite where uh, there were training videos that were translated into Ukrainian and other training assets so that there was an easy resource for people in Ukraine to quickly learn how to stop the bleed. Wow, those are some big changes and they all sound terrific. I know I've been to the website and it's really user-friendly, easy to find what you're looking for. So that's great. If you guys haven't been there, be sure to go and check it out. Uh, but Pat, um, you know, how does all of that fit into the Stop the Bleed project? Great question. So one of the things that the coalition is able to do, and the coalition is uh, the only nonprofit organization that's whose only mission is the uh, campaign, 
is it does quite a bit of fundraising. And so the Stop the Bleed project relies quite a bit on the fundraising, or, or I should say funding, from the coalition to conduct a lot of its activities. So on the, on the project side, of course, the, the marquee event each year is uh, National Stop the Bleed Day, and that's May 25th this year. The National Stop the Bleed Day kickoff will be uh, during the first half of March. That date hasn't been pinned down yet. But that'll also be the date that applications for Stop the Bleed scholarships and Stop the Bleed grants will uh, be taken. It'll be a, about a, a month and a half or so application period. And there's actually a new grant that's going to be offered that is really exciting. A company called Response Point Technologies is sponsoring a grant for something called a Stop the Bleed station. That grant is worth somewhere between seventy-five dollars and $100,000. And uh, we're quite excited about the fact that uh, it's going to be offered. Uh, we think that it will uh, really help drive interest around Stop the Bleed Day. A little later on in the episode, I'll, I'll talk more about uh, Response Point Technologies and what they're all about. I also saw, do you have any update as it pertains to um, the ambassador program? I know that I follow along on the Facebook page and we're nearing 900 members. How is growth looking there? That too has been growing very rapidly. Just a couple of metrics. Uh, the number of now up over 3,000. Uh, and as you mentioned, the, the Facebook uh, group uh, for the ambassadors has been growing very nicely. We actually now have ambassadors in more than 70 countries. That wow. compares to about 40 this time last year. Yeah, that's huge. It is. It is. And there's more countries to go, of course. But one of the great thing about ambassadors is that these are people who are raising their hand to say, I want to help in this capacity. And we just find that these are dynamic individuals, whatever country they're in, or if they're in a big country like the United States, whatever part of the country they're in. And they really do a great job creating more awareness and making the case for why people should become stoppably trained. They're, they're real activists in their, in their communities and really make a, a big difference uh, to the campaign. The theme of this year is going to revolve around legislation. So we're going to have uh, uh, some of the tools I mentioned earlier that are being developed to help people if they want to become active in their communities, their states, what have you, from a legislative perspective. Uh, those will be uh, available by the time we get to National Stop the Bleed Day. But additionally, it's flavoring some of the other programs. So the Stop the Bleed Scholarship, for instance, the prompt for the high school students that will be applying is essentially to write a letter or make a video that's pitching their elected officials to adopt Stop the Bleed. Oh, that's awesome. What prompted that was we actually have had high schoolers, not in connection with the scholarship program, just in connection with an interest in what Stop the Bleed is, share with us letters that they have sent to their legislators and and they make a great case so we thought why not open that idea up uh to the country and let's see what what the all these terrific high schoolers and how they would communicate to their elected officials about why stop the bleed is so important i love that kind of shift in topics as we think about scholarships and i know traditionally those scholarships cut start opening i believe like mid-march is that still the plan for this year 
Yeah, it is. Both the scholarships and the grants will, uh, th those application periods will open up when we, we kick off the website. So the date has not been pinned yet, but it, it'll be in the first half of March. And that's traditionally when we've been opening up uh, the application period and, and launching the site and introducing anything that's new. So this legislative perspective is something that is new-ish uh, for, uh, for Stop the Bleed Day. Last year, we introduced a new program called Time to Train. Uh, that, that'll run again this year. That was a great collaboration with some of the other really important stakeholders in the campaign. And that's the American College of Surgeons, uh, the Red Cross, the American Heart Association, and a few others that were all collaborating to uh, really help encourage people to not just become aware of Stop the Bleed through Stop the Bleed Day, but to take action, to actually get trained, be an advocate in your community. So we're looking forward to uh, working on that, working with all those organizations again this year. That's great. I mean, it sure sounds like this year is going to be a banner year for the campaign. And I know that for us, it means it's going to be a busy year for the podcast as well. So Pat, um, tell me, who do we have in the spotlight today? Well, it's somebody I've already mentioned, a company called Response Point Technology. What's really cool about them is that they have been working on developing what I'll just call stop the bleed related products from a very different perspective than most of the manufacturers of stop the bleed kits. Uh, they have a very innovative product set that is both directed at making stop the bleed kits uh, available when needed, and also something called the stop the bleed station, which again I mentioned earlier. The Stop the Bleed Station is uh, public safety infrastructure uh, that actually you can think of as a Swiss army knife of what might be needed in case of an emergency, uh, not just uh, Stop the Bleed kits, but other medical equipment you might need in an emergency, but also integrated with uh, communication and other uh, technology-based kinds of things that can help in the response to an emergency. Uh, we're we're going to have one of the principals of that company on for one of the episodes I know, and, and I'm sure he'll go into quite a bit of detail in terms of how they think about things. But I would say it's some of the most innovative uh, things that I've come across uh, since my association with the Stop the Bleed campaign now four or five years ago. So they're, and, and, and of course, I want to give them a shout out because they're going to be sponsoring the Stop the Bleed Station grant. That's part of the whole Stop the Bleed Day now. And as I mentioned, that grant is uh, in the seventy-five dollars to $100,000 range. So that's, that's quite exciting. Wow, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking with Response Point Technologies, learning more and seeing what these stations uh, really look like and what they mean for the future. Yeah, I think people will be really excited about it once it's uh, once it gets out there in terms of what it is and what it can do and how it helps. I, I would be shocked if you if you uh, weren't impressed by it when the when the time comes, Kelly. Good, good, good. Well, so we've got response point to look forward to. I know we shared. We'll also have someone from legislation come later uh, in this year from a podcast guest perspective. Do we have anyone else in the pipeline that we haven't talked about, Pat? Yeah, let me mention uh, Mark Dionio. Uh, Mark is uh, going to be one of our uh, guests at, in a future podcast. I talked a little bit about 
the coalition getting involved in trying to help uh, with what was happening in Ukraine. And Mark uh, has been very, very involved in what's happening over there. He's, uh, he's done a little bit of collaboration with the campaign and helped to get uh, a good number of Stop the Bleed kits into the field over there. He has, uh, I think he's up now to seven or eight trips to Ukraine. He's from New Jersey, so uh, he's here in the United States. And Mark is a very experienced reporter. Uh, he's a uh, Pulitzer Prize nominated writer, and he is going to give us his perspective on what's been happening on the ground in Ukraine, as well as an urban perspective, because he has spent a lot of time in some of our big cities here in the United States. He's also a uh, former Navy medic. So he has this uh, set of experiences and skills that uh, has really drawn him to be interested and to be involved in Stop the Bleed. So we're, it's going to be a great interview when we have a chance to have him on. For anyone listening in, we're always looking for additional podcast guests. We've heard from a slew of folks within different industries, and that's what makes this podcast great. We've talked to emergency response team members, um, medical professionals, Stop the Bleed trainers, ambassadors, and also bystanders who have been there to help folks in, in emergency situations. If you think that you'd be a great podcast guest or you have someone to recommend, please do reach out to us and you can follow us on social media. Yeah, Kelly's so right. Stop the Bleed literally touches everybody. And there's, so we kind of cover the whole gamut. And if you have a story to tell that you think would be interesting and motivating, uh, empowering to people, or just something that's instructional, we'd love to have you on. Kelly, how does somebody go about letting us know about that? Pat, that's a great question. They can reach out to us on our Facebook and drop a message there. Our handle on Facebook is Stop the Bleed One, or they can send us an email to the team at stopthebleedproject.org. Well, I think that this really wraps up today. And it's the time where I remind everyone to please not only subscribe to the podcast, that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now, but equally important, if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please share, because together we can save more lives. To learn more about the Stop the Bleed campaign, Stop the Bleed grants and scholarships, and how you or your organization can get involved, visit StopTheBleedProject.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Stop the Bleed for campaign updates.